For Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Today, we're going to talk about anxiety. But, you know, we could, we could talk about the negatives and how we, you know, we're anxious about inflation, we're anxious about, you know, spy balloons flying over the country, which I think they, they've shot them down at this point. Um, we're anxious about the news, the earthquake in Turkey yesterday. I mean, there's always something to be anxious about. We could talk about how bad anxiety is for us. But what if, what if we talked about healthy things that we can do to have less anxiety in our life? Because, you know, we're going to have a certain amount of anxiety, right? Now, we, we want to have as little anxiety as we possibly can. And it's much healthier for us to manage the anxiety that's in our life. So wouldn't it be good for us to learn how to make our life more healthy, how to live a more healthy life, maybe be more organized and manage the anxiety that we have to have in our life and maybe even limit the anxiety. I, I think that might be a pretty good idea. And I've got a guest today that I think could probably help us with that. What do you think, Kathy? Is that something we can help the listeners with? <laughs> Absolutely. And you hit on so many different um subtopics that that's excellent and I I agree with all of them 100% so I am definitely um, excited that was that was off the top of my head I'm like what because I didn't have an intro figured out I'm like you know (laughs) okay good 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 okay I'm I'm glad I didn't hit on something that we can't talk about that's always bad (laughs) no everything was quite relevant and I appreciate all of them so thank you all right, good. Now you got to remind me what I said. Okay. <laughs> My guest today is Kathy Perez, and she's always had a passion for health and fitness and being organized and sharing her curiosity for life to anybody that would listen. You know, I'm, I'm, I believe that. So after many years in the corporate arena, supporting others with administrative and HR tasks, She got the nerve and the calling to finally become a health coach. She's a certified healthy eating and weight loss coach, a certified yoga instructor, and the 159th worldwide certified Kanmari, is that right? Kanmari, yes. Mm -hmm. Kanmari. She now helps women create a healthy relationship with 
with anxiety and stress with healthy habits that she took over 20 years to learn and hone to walk harmoniously with her own anxiety disorder. Now, see there? I told you I thought she might could help us with this. Okay, so let's start. And I actually, I think it was on Instagram. I saw that you were you were even jogging this weekend. I saw you as you were doing that. So, and, and she looked like she was out in the cold when she was doing it. But she teased <laughs> yes. me to do it not cold where she is today (laughs) it is not so i'll just leave it at that (laughs) okay let's just just leave it there there. don't rub it into that yeah (laughs) so okay what is i think i think people just kind of automatically say they have anxiety and i i know that i have done a whole lot to try to really eliminate a lot of anxiety from my life in a lot of ways um and it it was a lot of work (laughs) it really was but i have limited a whole lot of it what is if you had to define anxiety how would you define that awesome question and it's one that i get all the time and to definitely put it into the easiest perspective uh, when it comes to, obviously, I'm going to concentrate somewhat on like the physiological, right, perspectives from okay. a health coaching perspective. But what I um, tell people on the common denominator is simply it's part of your fight or flight system, right? When okay. people say, um, you know, I feel it in my gut, I, I feel nervous or whatnot. Well, that's actually quite relevant and it's it's very accurate. The The hormones that create cortisol come from your tummy and so it's it's interesting because you know we take um, you know when you think about physiologically what is anxiety it's simply our our body telling us in our head okay we're on alert now so a lot of people will say oh well anxiety sucks and we don't want and I don't have anxiety I'm like uh, well then you'd be dead <laughs> because <laughs> it's our it's part of our, our fear mechanism right and so it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to um, consider a stepchild, right? We require anxiety at some level because that is our alert system. So that's like the basic way to think of anxiety and to also think of it in such a way that, well, it's not wrong, right? Stop making yourself wrong or feeling guilty or, or sad that you're dealing with anxiety. It's just a part of who we are as humans. That's, that's the simplest way to think of it. Okay. Now, I was I was on a call, on a, a conference call, learning some stuff, and we were we were learning a lot. Okay, it was a great call. We were learning all kinds of really cool stuff, and and <laughs> the people were starting to say, "I'm overwhelmed. Oh my goodness, I'm so anxious. I'm overwhelmed." Okay, now. It, it was a lot of information, but it was great information, and we were learning so much. And I was taking notes, and my notes were really sloppy because there was so much information. And it was it was a little bit of an overwhelm, but it was it was a good overwhelm as far as I was concerned, you know. But but you had other people on the call that were like, 
oh, oh my goodness, I'm so anxious, and you're, you're creating all this anxiety because it's just so much. But it was, as far, like I said, as far as I was concerned, it was amazing because it, it got the adrenaline flowing and ideas flying and, and like I said, all kinds of notes and, and fantastic ideas and all this kind of stuff. So sometimes you can be in a situation where you may be anxious in this kind of thing, but it can be good for you, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting because, again, from the physiological standpoint, um, really, uh, f- funny enough, the, the, <laughs> the same feelings that, or I should say, the same hormones that create excitement also create, believe it or not, fear. <laughs> and so it's, a, it's a, a perspective, right? Like if you can, uh, what I would consider tell your, your brain, you can tell your primal brain, hey, I'm staying curious, like you obviously did during this um, event. You were curious right. about how much more can I learn? Like you were, you were feeling excited. Well, the other people right. were feeling overwhelmed. Well, it was, a simple, it was as simple as just how you're perceiving that situation. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm curious all the time. You know? There you go. So, <laughs> it's, it's, my, I, curiosity drives me, you know, and I always want to learn something new. So, um, but it's, it's, yeah, curiosity certainly doesn't slow me down. And I, I know curiosity killed the cat. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chloe, but um, yeah, I it, it just seems it seems like it people get that kind of um, get to feeling a little anxious, they'll stop themselves. But it seems like sometimes that anxious, I I don't see anxious as a negative. I I think it can you can get over-anxious or over-whatever, but I think anxious can be a good thing sometimes. But I was just want to see what your feeling was about it. No, absolutely. And I would agree with you on, on all those levels. And the difference between someone like me who was diagnosed, right, with uh, what would now be called general um, anxiety disorder, I, I presume. Um, it was back a long time ago <laughs> that I was diagnosed. But for someone like me who dealt with very high anxiety it was a situation where my anxiety never took a rest and so my I was not willing <laughs> at that point to realize oh well maybe if I just change that perspective like instead of feeling fear what if it was just a curiosity so you know our brain um, of which you're very familiar um, based on all your mm-hmm. all your background we both know that and, and anyone else who obviously is very familiar with you we all know that our, our subconscious really runs our brain, right? 97% almost. And so all it wants to do is keep us alive. And so unfortunately, when people who, who um, I can relate with, <laughs> we ruminate way too much. And so right. something as simple as a decision right? We start to think about, okay, well, what happened in the past? What could I possibly think of that's going to happen in the future? Instead of just concentrating on what you were saying, like, oh, this is something new. Oh, this is curious. You know, what does this mean to me? Instead of just looking at it as a present and and staying focused, 
we start to just go off on all these tangents. Well, that takes up your anxiety. But if you're willing to see it the way you do, which is simply, oh, this is new. Okay, I'm curious. Subconscious, don't right. worry about this. My logic is going to help. <laughs> that's, that's the easy way, right? And so that's where we get to decide, okay, is the anxiety going to shoot up or am I just going to take it for what it was and, and now it's on alert, that's fine, but now I'm going to go into curiosity mode and see where that takes me. And see, we talked about curiosity last week too. And this actually, it's funny. I love when this happens, and and, and I didn't do this on purpose because I didn't know this about your stuff and her stuff. But this actually is a really good follow-up to last week. So if if you're listening now and you didn't listen last week, you should definitely go to my site and go to lovecoachjourney.com slash life design because we talked about a lot of what you're talking about with curiosity and that perspective making a difference. So awesome segue. <laughs> so, great follow-up to last week. So what does, how, okay, what, am, what was I thinking? What would be an example of how somebody can do what you were just talking about? Ooh, if if they're currently, if, okay, give us an example of how they're currently going to fear and making the anxiety worse and how they could go to take the same situation and instead go to curiosity instead. Ooh, that's a that's a slick Ooh. question. Good one. <laughs> I like that one. Very good. So, okay. Do you let me come up with the questions? <laughs> yeah, I know. Absolutely, right? So, that's a mean, I love that question. Thank you for that one. Okay, so here's what can happen? So let's say, oh, okay, um, you know, right now the, you know, people are talking about jobs, right? Jobs, jobs, jobs. So uh, we can take someone who, you know, let's say they are looking for a new job, right? And mm-hmm. maybe they are dealing, unfortunately, with high anxiety, let's just say. And so they all of a sudden see in their email, oh, wow, I was accepted for an interview, and this is going to be an in-person interview. Wonderful. Okay, so they're excited, but then all of a sudden, instead of keeping that excitement and that curiosity, or I'll take it both ways, but, you know, at first they're excited, right? That's wonderful. But then they're like, oh, man, they want me to do this, 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 and this. All of a sudden they went from being happy or just really excited, and now they see all these different, let's say, requirements that they now get to perform during the interview and all of a sudden their their anxiety just shot up and instead of just staying excited for the opportunity right they go into this unfortunately the rumination mode and start saying well gosh I don't have time to get this ready or you know whatnot think of every possible uh, circumstance that could be the worst case scenario that's what happens and so they go into this mode of oh my gosh this is not a good idea well had they just stayed, right, in that original excitement mode, i.e. they stayed curious, and when they read what they needed, what they were going to be required to do or asked to do, they could have said, okay, um, best case scenario is I'm going to be able to get this, this, and this done, and then I'm going to have to go over, you know, over here to research this or whatnot, whatever. They, they chose instead to take their anxiety up, and think about worst case scenarios instead of sticking to the excitement and the curiosity and say, okay, how can I possibly make this the best 
outcome for me, right? Right. And that's exactly what happens. Unfortunately, rumination takes over, and we don't tell our subconscious to hold, stay, stand down, <laughs> subconscious, we're going to be okay, stay curious, and our logic will take over and get this done. Right. Yeah. So hopefully that made some sense. Well, that's, yeah, that was, that was one of the things we talked about last week was, was stay curious. Well, and, and frame it in a way that you're staying positive. You know, that was like we were, we were talking about like, okay, when you go to the grocery store, okay, and say that you're, you're thinking about being healthy, okay, and you're not going to say, I, I won't get chips. That was, that was what I came up with. Okay, I'm not going to get chips this week, which that, that's bad, very bad for me. Can't get chips. Okay, instead, you're, you're not going to say, I'm not going to have chips or cookies this week. That's not what you're going to say. Instead, you're going to say, I will have chips, and I'm also going to have strawberries and grapes. Excellent. Okay. So you're not saying what you're not going to do. You're saying what you are going to do, and it's more positive. What do you think? Absolutely. I, I would agree 100%. <laughs> so Absolutely. Said, it's, the point is don't state and think the negative. Think the positive. Reframe it in a positive way. Yeah. And, and, stay, and stay positive. I mean, stay curious. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, you know, that's not to say that people aren't going to make some decisions based on fear, right? I mean, that's just going to happen. Maybe you are in a, a very difficult situation. But if we're able to frame the situation, whatever that situation is, and, and put mm-hmm. it in the light of, okay, this is the pros, these are the cons, I'm in the middle, Am I willing right. to go with as many pros as possible, even though, yes, I realize that there are going to be some cons? That's if we can stay in that neutral, right, and just realize, right. okay, chips are going to fall where they're going to fall, but if I at least do my due diligence and come as pre- – this is, to me, one of the keys, um, I, and definitely I believe in you know the positive mindset, but if we can at least keep the, the idea of neutrality in our heads, that will also right. – uh, help keep your anxiety low because you're staying neutral about whichever way this goes, whatever the event is, I am staying neutral. That's one of my big, uh, you know, that's what I definitely try to help people with is to realize if I can stay as neutral as possible, then the outcome is just the outcome and I'm just going to be there, whatever happens. Yeah. Yep. It it just, like I said, it makes a big difference we can't we can't always control things mm-hmm. most times we can't control things and and we certainly can't control what the other person does but we can control our mindset so yeah okay so how can anxiety and this is a biggie disrupt our our Love life and our relationships. We can do a whole hour on that. <laughs> yeah, that that could be that could be like a like a series, right? Um, 
So very, very uh, indulgent question there. But I would probably say that the easiest, the, the one that always came to my mind um, because I dealt with it um, was the idea of using certain emotions, unfortunately, to keep people at bay. And right. in my case, I used anger. Okay, so I used anger since I was a child uh, to keep people away from me when I was fearful, right, or when I was feeling threatened uh, well into adulthood. And what did that do for me? Well, not very much because people perceive me one way, even though I was completely different, right? I mean, I wanted people to perceive me as strong and, and, and uh, very uh, formidable, okay? Well, in actuality, um, I'm quite, <laughs> I, I, I almost consider myself a pacifist but in such a way that I just don't like conflict. Well, I used anger to keep the conflict away from me. Well, if you never have um, meaningful discussions with people, you can't really have meaningful relationships, right? True. So in and itself, when you're dealing with anxiety, um, it can disrupt in different ways. In my case, it was to keep people away. Well, maybe if you're trying to, you know, have people, or, or rather if you want people around you, your anxiety is such that okay, if I don't, if I'm not a people pleaser, well, gosh, no one's gonna like me. So I have to be everything to everyone. Well, what does that leave to that person? Well, that person's anxiety is gonna shoot up astronomically because they don't have any left for themselves, <laughs> right? So mm -hmm. it's all about where is that? Uh, again, where can I conceivably put myself in a situation where, yes, I realize that you know, everyone's going to perceive me differently, but what really matters is how I perceive myself because right. that is genuine. That is who you are. So if you're willing to put yourself out there and be vulnerable instead of hiding behind any type of emotion, then people are going to accept you for the most part. They're going to know where you stand, in other words. So hopefully that made a little sense. <laughs> well, if <clears throat> you become too much of a people pleaser too, and, and you you get so busy trying to please this person and that person and that person and that person and the other person. It's hard to know who you are, you know? And, and at what point and for who are you going to be authentic? You know, it's, yeah. you, you tend to lose sight of you. You know, it's, it's you're this person for them and you're that person for that person over there, but do do you have a clue who you are? You know, I think we all know people that just kind of do that, but then lose themselves in the process. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. <laughs> I have... Mm -hmm. Plenty of people in my head right now who I'm thinking of <laughs> who fit that exact um, scenario, and uh, it's it's it is a very uh, it is to me, for lack of a better word, just interesting that people are willing to um, put them all their own pers personalities on hold and fit in as well as they could with others. When then when they go home, like they don't know how to please themselves. They don't know how to 
um, to regulate their own emotions because they're like, well, who the heck am I? It's just like you said. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting proposition. Like I'm I'm willing to be a chameleon for others, but yet I don't know where I stand on my own. Yeah. Well, like you said, you do that out in public, but then you go home and it's like, what what do you do when you're by yourself? Because there's nobody to please because you don't, I mean, you know, you get home and it's like, huh, okay, you know. But, yeah, that's, um, it's, uh, it, it seems like it would have to be a very sad existence. But, um, that, those, I, I, I don't know. I think I would consider you, I, I would consider it um, definitely like a lonely type of way to live because you don't know yeah. how to make yourself you don't ha- you don't know how to make yourself happy, right? In other words, happiness comes from within, and I, I, you know, too many people know that, but they won't practice it, and so they do so much for others to make others happy, and then they're like, "Oh crap! I don't know how to make myself happy. I don't know how to to bring happiness from from within." So. Well, real real lasting happiness comes from within. Mm-hmm. That happiness that you get from other people isn't lasting. And the thing is, unless you keep doing things for them, you're not going to get that fix from them. You know, and the same thing is, if somebody else comes and starts making them happier, your fix is going to stop. Most times. Is what I've seen. But, um... Okay, so how how can somebody lower their anxiety? For sure. Um, so you know, uh, there are so many different you know modalities and you know tools and tricks, right? Um, from my school of thought, and what I what what I would say is my main focus for a lot of times when I with when I'm with clients um, is to really, believe it or not, it sounds really just too simple, but it's your breath to realize that how important our breathing really is. And mm-hmm. it's so fantastic, um, you know, to realize that out of all of the automatic systems in our body, which breathing is one of them, <laughs> our brain can actually interrupt our pattern of breathing. Or rather, we can switch our breathing automatically from consciously controlling our breath to then letting the body again take it over. That is, that should make everyone who does deal with anxiety right now feel completely empowered. Like that alone should hopefully make your audience feel like holy mackerel. That is amazing because it is. <laughs> so, how can someone naturally reduce anxiety? Well, focus on your breathing. Because more times than not, um, I don't know what the statistic is, but I'd be more than, I would be very, um, I, I would bet that it's over 50%, if not 60% of us, shallow breathe. And I, I know you, I do. Yeah. yeah, so when you do that, you're automatically signaling to your, <laughs> your, to your nervous system that you're in a fight or flight situation. So if we can actually learn to regulate our breathing consciously, 
oh my gosh, how many more people would not ever get into that state where our fight or flight system is kicking in? So to me, breathing, again, one of the most natural, right, <laughs> natural methods of our existence is also one of the best ways to help someone naturally, um, you know, take their anxiety down um, very quickly, even as, as quick as a minute when you're concentrating on your breath. You can take your, you can reset your nervous system. You know, years and years ago, I went to a health fair, and there was somebody there that, that did deep breathing sessions and, and this kind of thing. And um, I, I went to one of them and was there for a, a, a long session of, of very, very deep breathing. And I actually got into such a, a deep breathing deal with that that I actually felt like I was rolling down and falling down a hill. It was, I mean, I really, it was wild. It was very wild. And then um, when I, I had a um, aortic dissection, I wow. didn't realize. It, it's amazing. I, I never realized how the heart and the lungs are so connected. Yeah. And with the aorta having tears in it affected the heart so obviously and then that affected my lungs so drastically and there was a, a five-week time period where I, I should have gone to the hospital and I didn't mm -hmm. um, and during that time period I, I thought I had pneumonia um, because I was having so much trouble breathing and and then when, when they finally figured out what was going on and I went to the ER first thing they did is they checked my my uh, oxygen level, which I, I can tell you was in, they they actually couldn't get anything to register. It was so bad, mm. and so obviously they <laughs> immediately hooked me up to oxygen, and um, it was like whoa, you know, as soon as they did, like whoa, that feels good, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> seriously, and uh, my my dad is sitting there, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was amazing how much better I felt as soon as they connected me to the oxygen, right? And um uh it was it was just amazing the difference it made and how I felt. And and it did. It just it just I was like, Oh wow, this complete calm. I mean I was I was in horrible shape. But I could I could breathe. It was like, Oh my goodness, you know. And um I, I didn't realize how bad it had been that I I had not been breathing right for five weeks, oh. you know, and I, I hadn't had oxygen coming into my body right for all that time. Do you know what that'll do to you? Um, it, yeah, but, I ended yeah. you in the ER. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, but wow, that that first I I tell you what I I. I really felt like as okay, okay. That must have been what it was like when I was born, you know. And they yeah, thanked me in the first breath, and wow, you know, who would have thought I was going to relive that at some <laughs> point in my life? But um, wow, that was amazing. But um, I I I, I <laughs> the poor nurse. She looked at me. I'm like, I was just like, 
that was amazing. You have no idea, you know. <laughs> but um, she she was just so excited that she was getting some. You know, I was registering that I had oxygen in my body, and and she was so thankful. Oh, but wow. um, but yeah, I can I can just I can tell you from personal experience that being able to breathe, amazing, absolutely amazing. That's a testament it right is. there. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, it certainly, I mean, I, I didn't realize how keyed up and how tense and all that sort of thing. But like I said, when that oxygen hit my body, it was absolutely amazing how different I felt. I, I was still in very, very, very bad shape, but um, I, I did feel instantly different when that oxygen hit, oxygen hit my body. Wow. But... Um, I still had a very long way to go, but it was it was an immediate change in how I felt. But like I said, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> so. That's amazing. No, thank you for sharing that, and I hope that really hit home with your audience because that just goes to show you, you know, our brain above everything else. This is amazing. This this fact: our brain above everything else will listen to our lungs. Yeah. Yeah, and um, like I said, it was. I hadn't thought about it, but like I said, it it that had to have been how it felt when I took my first. How we all yeah. felt when we took our first express when we were born too. Like, oh, absolutely. That that was like being reborn right there for you. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I you know I I talk about that being my rebirthday for a different reason, but see now there's two reasons for it. There you cool. go. <laughs> oh, phew. So now we're we're talking about uh, naturally lowering our anxiety. So what's what's a key way for us to neutralize anxiety on a daily basis? That's that's kind of the same kind of the same idea. Yeah, but, it, but is, is that a different answer? It, it, it seems is. like that would be a different answer. It definitely is. I mean, it could be one the same if you didn't want to go any further than that, right? But in in my view, when I do, uh, you know, speak with clients or just in general, I it's going to almost sound a little woo-woo, but one key way to neutralize anxiety on the daily is simply to practice gratitude. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And in in what I'm familiar with, um, again, because of my background as a certified Kamari organizing consultant, that is the, the premise, basically, of that organizing method. And the idea, um, again, it's, it's based on Japanese culture. In the Japanese culture, everything is based on gratitude. So every, uh, every person, every object, anything that we come in contact with has a soul. So we respect that item. We respect the scissors. We respect, you know, your shoot. Like everything has a place and a reason and a purpose. And so we respect it and we offer gratitude. Well, that's a little bit foreign to the Western world, right? That's not necessarily how we first think about our, our personal items. But on the daily, if you really do want to uh, negate as much as possible really high anxiety, Actually, think about how you can be grateful in that moment. As soon as you start realizing, because most of us who have dealt with high anxiety understand what symptoms are starting to 
creep up on us when we know we could be delving into some really bad anxiety episodes. We know what that feels like. So if you can then, at that moment, decide to put yourself in the present, because you have you get to be present when you're you're thinking about gratitude. Why? Because it's it's not just an emotion, but it's logically thinking. Oh my gosh, this item has helped me in some way, and so it can be anything. It can be someone you're thinking about. It can be a fountain, you know, however you can uh, hone in on gratitude, that's going to help you on the daily uh, neutralize your anxiety. Interesting. The scissors. So are there are there scissors within view of where you're, you're sitting right now? Well, no, I, I was just thinking of like, you know, like any, <laughs> any, you know, no one would think, oh, scissors are going to make me, you know, neutralize my anxiety. But if you're holding the scissors for any one reason, right, let's say you, you happen to <laughs> have a pair of scissors, believe it or not, if you give that pair of scissors gratitude, if you say thank you, all of a sudden your, your brain has to think in a different way. You know, it, it can't keep ruminating. It can't keep, because Interesting enough, right, uh, at least from what I've understood in all my different learnings, is gratitude and fear, or in this case anxiety, can't be present at the same time. True. And so our brains get to make a decision. Am I going to feel the gratitude or am I going to feel anxiety? Well, in most cases... Because it's you thinking it, right? It's the individual. They're going to choose gratitude, I hope. And so you're going to negate then the need to increase your anxiety. That's at least theoretical what should happen. That's true. Well, and I've I've joked for years that even when I woke up with a migraine, I was grateful to be able that I woke up. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's a little harder to to be grateful for anything when when your head is like splitting, but oh, you know yeah. what? It's better than not waking up. So, yeah. But um, amen to that. Yeah. And I and I get really bad headaches some days, but you know what? Oh. It's it's better than not waking up. I've I've had quite a few days in a coma, and oh. and I I'm still very glad when I wake up. So. So, Bless you. Next, how do you, as a coach, help your clients to lower their anxieties? There's there's something about three pillars I, mm-hmm. I've heard about. Yeah. But so, I haven't heard details about those yet. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. And and I, I want to just backtrack a little because uh, my mom in heaven now, she also experienced those horrible migraines. So I can only at least sympathize, right, and know what what it must have been like for you. So bless your heart for wanting to wake up even with one of those, right? Um, Mine are pretty more under control than they've ever been, but but they still, um, weather changes are are very rough around here. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. so what I would share with with anyone who wanted to become my client um, is, there are three main, uh, what I would call pillars, right, uh, of how I want my clients to think about their um, their journey with anxiety. So the first one is basically, believe it or not, building confidence. And 
uh, that comes about mm -hmm. in different ways. But building confidence is basically uh, learning to trust yourself. <laughs> and once we can trust ourselves, then we're going to make better decisions, or at least we're going to make decisions and not and not uh, ruminate right on what that decision is going to entail. And so building confidence is huge. Then um, mm -hmm. we move through to managing the actual anxiety triggers. And those are both, again, internal and external. So literally um, in the view of, of your personal space, like your actual physical space, whether that's you know where you live or where you work maybe. But understanding, um, again, we can't control a lot of, of what happens in life, right? However, mm -hmm. but, or I should say and, we can totally control how we perceive our own mini world, let's say, right? So we can decide how we want our journal location to feel, how to be, like how we want it to support us, right? So we work on managing, again, both the internal uh, triggers, but also the actual external ones that we actually can um, do something about. And then the third pillar is the body-mind connection. And this is because uh, I always perceive it as, again, someone who knew what it felt like, <laughs> that somehow our brains didn't always seem connected or talking very well with our, our body. And if, if we can naturally find ways to support our bodies to talk better to our brains and vice versa, then they're going to like each other a lot more and they're not going to feel so separated or feel so isolated from each other. I mean, and that sounds very, I, I would almost say abstract, but even the medical world, unfortunately, perceives somehow that mental health, uh, like what I call brain health, is somehow separate from your physical health. No. <laughs> They're very connected. They're, they are extremely connected. Like you can't have one without the other. And so I would be hard-pressed to say, okay, we're only going to work on your mental health right now or your brain health. No, I actually want to have my, I want my clients to understand we're going to work on your, your body. At the same time, we're working with your head because they're connected, <laughs> thank God. And we want them to work in tandem, not separate from each other. So that's how I move through those three different pillars with my, my clients to hopefully lower their anxiety. You know, you are only the second person I've talked to that talks about working on the mind and the body at the same time. Mm. That's nuts. But yeah, <laughs> most people, well, and... We actually talked about that in the book we wrote because um, Masters and Johnson actually had the triad model. And what they do is they had a doctor who had the therapist that worked on the mind and they collaborated with a doctor who also worked on the body. And they actually would compare notes as they worked with a client to make sure that they were working together, like I said, comparing notes and making sure that they were doing the work and doing the best for the client, which other doctors don't do that, that I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> 
I mean, we don't walk around without a body, right? And our heads don't work, you know? So it's it's always interesting how insurance works, right? Somehow our health is not connected to our eyes or our ears, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't make any... Or dental, right? It's usually dental. That's not... It's separate. Eyes and dental is separate from the rest of the health insurance. And I'm like, what? Do we not walk around with our, uh, you know, with... It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. So once the medical world decides that we're a whole creature, I think things will change for the better. (laughs) Yeah. My my PCP does. She's on top of it, man. She, She, like keeps in touch with all my doctors and has all my stuff. She, she's a wonder. She is a wonder. I love her. But uh, she does a fantastic job. I, she, she, it was so funny. I had to change doctors, and I went in for my first appointment with her, and, and she, like, completely blew me away. I was like, I, wow. <laughs> it's amazing when a doctor does that. Very very rare when they do that, but I very good, very good. Uh-uh. All right. So taking Tom to <clears throat> I I see that you have something in quotes. I like things in quotes. Organized for life. Now, taking organization to a higher level. And you're talking about mental, physical, and spiritual reasons to get organized for life. Tell me about that. Oh, absolutely. So what I really, so I've always been an organizing uh, fanatic. <laughs> I always have been. So I've always been organized. But what was interesting, and this is just how the human nature is, I was attached to my stuff. And so while I was organized, and this is very possible, um, people can be organized, quote unquote, but they can just have a lot of stuff. And yeah. it takes, it takes, it takes energy. It takes it takes just energy in itself to have all that stuff, right? And so once I uh, delve into quite deeply into the organizing method, which is the Kamari method of organizing, I realized just how little I actually required to help me be a happy human. And so the, 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 there's tons of different, you know, ways to organize, and I've studied a few of them. Um, but the method, the combat method, was quite different because one of the reasons why it became such a pop sensation, right, pop culture sensation, was the fact that Marie Kondo, who created that method, was able to take something so mundane as organizing. I mean, who likes to organize, right, unless you're a weirdo like I am? <laughs> but most people don't see organizing as a big deal or even useful in some respects, right? But she took organizing and raised it to a spiritual experience. That was, like, that was mind-blowing. And it happened to me. So uh, the, the, the method, the Kamari method, will, it's that trifecta going into effect. Your body is affected, Right your physical body, your mental capacity, or your brain health, as well as your spiritual. So those three main components of any human are affected by this method. And it's, it's just, it's astounding. And um, what I love is that I can talk to anyone 
about this method, whether you are atheist, whether you are, uh, you know, a believer of some sort, it, it doesn't matter what you do or do not believe. This will still touch your heart in some way and your soul. And when you can make that connection, then all of a sudden someone's really going to concentrate and really dive into learning, okay, not only am I going to learn this way of living, so to speak, but it's actually going to help. And they see the results on their own. It's quite phenomenal. So um, we call it the KonMari effect, those of us who are certified. So what happens is someone will go through, you know, what we call, quote unquote, the tithing festival. And uh, anyone who might have seen the, her Netflix shows, um, the um, Marie Kondo had three different shows already on Netflix. But uh, anyone who's familiar with that method knows what the people go through. And the end result is always the same. There is this intention that happens with every decision thereafter. It's like your brain really adores how focused and clear and just how productive you can be now. It doesn't ever want to go back to the way it was before. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Everything then becomes a situation of how am I going to conmari this, right? Like your decisions become uh, very uh, intentional. Your way of being becomes intentional. So it's such a, it's so encompassing, but it's so fabulous because it's so easy. It's based on gratitude and anyone can learn gratitude. And that's, that's like so key, but it's so simple and it's, it's phenomenal. So yeah, it's like this, you go through this transition and then you end up again with the knowledge that this is a lifetime of living that you can stay, uh, more calm, that you can stay more focused, that you can be more productive with less. That's the phenomenal part of things. Okay, give me an example. So, um, a perfect example was, um, it's so funny, so most people, after, well, I shouldn't say one, but um, one, and it, I'll take my own example. I was going to use one of my clients, but I'll, I'll go with this example. When I um, was through with my uh, own tithing festival, as we call it, um, I no longer felt the requirement to hold on to um, physical pictures. And so I had already gone through the sentimental items, which included pictures, right? And I kept the ones I wanted, the physical ones. And then what I did was I literally took all the other <laughs> ones. I digit, you know, I saved them digitally. And then I threw those particular ones that I didn't want to keep the physical versions of. I threw everything away or recycled it, right? So thereafter, every time I take pictures and now they're, you know, supposedly going to sit in my phone, but I don't keep pictures long-term anymore. I'll take the picture, I'll use it for what I need it for, and then if I do decide to keep it, then it goes into a, a specific storage area electronically, but I don't hold on to pictures anymore. Why? Because they were taking up space in albums that I was never looking at, and then two, I'm, I'm definitely more of a minimalist, so I like to have less around me because that all takes up energy. So it was a matter of I intentionally now don't save any type of photos unless, again, I go through this little methodology. Okay, I'm going to use it. 
I've used it, now am I going to toss it or am I going to keep it somewhere? But it's only going to be in a digital format. I very rarely ever print out pictures now. And that what that does for me is it keeps me in a way very peaceful because I don't have extra stuff in my space, whether that's physically or even mentally. I know that I can find it when I need it and I can always reproduce it if I want to. That's very uh, reassuring to me. So my brain stays at an, a lower neutral when it comes to anxiety. Interesting. Okay. All right. Huh. Gonna have to. I've actually, I've actually heard of the Kanamari before, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know any details about. Okay. So, how does how does organizing bring clarity to somebody that's ready for a change? Oh yeah, good question. So this is um, really cool um, because I've seen it happen with clients. So when you have gone through a tying festival, okay, so you've tied up your personal space, let's say, and even during it, right? Um, it, you could come to realizations, okay, this is, you know, I'm going to keep this, I'm not going to keep that, whatever, okay, you're going through it. But what happens is because you now have less, because let's face it, everything is made of energy, right? We're energy, the pillows are energy, your laptop, everything has energy, right? It literally mm-hmm. has energy. So you want around you only which is going to support you and lift your own vibration higher. Right, and again, this sounds maybe woo-woo to people, but it's just physics. I mean, like literally, um, everything does have energy, and so that energy is either taking you up, i.e., elevating your own vibration, or what you have around you is actually taking you down. Like that energy is pulling you down. So when I have finished my time festival, or anyone for that matter, and let's say they are looking, let's say, to make a career change or maybe pivot somewhere. Because their brain now has the actual room, i.e. it has the space to think and to focus and to even be more productive in their daily duties, whatever that might be, they now have the opening and they have the literally the headspace to say, you know what, let me figure out or let me now look into possibly talking to that person that I hadn't to, you know, I came upon them a week ago and they said to give them a call when you were ready to talk about, you know, any possibility of a new job. Or maybe because, again, they have only stuff surrounding them that's supporting them and lifting up their vibration, they're willing to take that first step and say, okay, you know what, maybe I'm not ready to leave my job, but maybe I'm going to go and research on YouTube what it would entail if I decided to go to school for this. Or maybe I need to talk, you know, in other words, they become very intentional, like I said before, but that intentionality now becomes action. Like, no longer does your brain want to keep you safe and only safe and not take action, but it, it feels progressively more bold, i.e. you actually have that confidence. And your brain's like, oh, okay, I'm not afraid. I'm actually going to be curious about this. 
let's go ahead and call that person. Let's set up a, a coffee date. Let's find out what I can learn from them. So it's amazing what happens to your brain because our brains always want to be the most efficient, right? They want to find the most efficient way to go to point A to point B. Well, when you have organized your space in such a way that now all you have is what's supporting you and you offer gratitude all the time, then your brain is like, I love the way this feels. I have so much clarity. I know where everything is. I don't have to use so much glucose to make silly decisions. And now I have the headspace to make really cool decisions. So your brain takes on this bold new, uh, literally a bold new uh, purpose. It's like, heck yeah, I totally want to try this. So there's no more hesitation. Like rumination pretty much goes out the window, depending on, you know, what might that decision be. But it's such a, your brain loves to feel safe. And because it feels safe and supported based on your environment now, it has no reason to not want to try something different or not look into something new. That's amazing right there. Interesting. All right. Huh. Interesting stuff to think about. <laughs> and like I said, I, I love how these two shows work together. wouldn't have figured that out before we talked, but it does. It works together well. Hmm. All right, I'll tell you what. Do you want to let the listeners know how they can find out more about you? Oh, sure, yeah. No, definitely. And, and I've had a, such a wonderful time, so thank you so much for your um, for this chance and opportunity. Um, the easiest way is to, you can um, find me on either uh, Facebook or LinkedIn or even Instagram. Um, and my handle's the same. It's Kathy Hannah Perez. All right. And you've got a Facebook group. I do. Um, you can reach it at um, healthyhabitsforlessanxiety.com. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Well, thank you for being with us today. And there will be a replay of the show. And your information will be there along with all the links. It will be at lovecoachjourney.com slash less anxiety. So, like I said, thank you for being with us today. And listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.